I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa, so sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to Jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at Jonji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I.com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. The Boston Marathon has a long, well-documented history of cheaters. Like that time Rosie Ruiz hitched a ride on the Boston Tee 10 miles into the race. Well, it was a fantastic performance, Rosie. Congratulations. Rosie Ruiz, the mystery woman winner. We missed her at all our checkpoints. She came through the finish in a fantastic 2.31. We have to confirm that time at this point. But she was way ahead of a world-class field here today in the Boston Marathon. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you. So, yeah, she was stripped of that title. And then there's this armchair investigator who claims to have found at least 47 people who cheated back in 2015 by taking someone else's bib or by taking shortcuts in their qualifying marathon. Oh, and then there's this thriving marketplace where people say they'd be willing to spend as much as $5,000 to get their hands on someone else's starting number. And so maybe it's no surprise that this year, once again, a high-profile Boston Marathon finish is being called into question. But there it was. The day after the race, images of a runner's dramatic finish were splashed on the cover of the Boston Globe and featured on every major TV news channel. It was powerful stuff. But on the internet, he was being accused of cheating. To me, it would have been considered he should have been a DNF. A DNF, as in did not finish. The cheater in question is Ari Ofsavit, and he's a friend of mine. So, there are people who say you cheated. So, 
there, there, there's cheating. I think with cheating, you have to have intent. People were saying things like, he shouldn't have accepted the aid from those guys. Well, you know what? I, I, I didn't really have the opportunity to say that because my brain was not functioning. Today on Outside In, the story of my friend Ari, his 15 minutes of fame, and a bigger question. What's a race like the Boston Marathon for? Is it for you and me and the community? Or is it a race, damn it? Quit screwing around. So what the heck happened? Who is this person who's being accused of cheating in the Boston Marathon? Yeah, so this is sort of typical at 6, 6 oh whatever in the morning. Um, and running over to Harvard Stadium. Ari is a guy who I met while doing cross-country ski races. He's really skinny, tall, lives in Boston. I've hung out with him maybe a half dozen times, but I'd say we're both from the same world. People who like running and biking a lot. Some might describe us as extreme, but I prefer enthusiasts. The morning that I visited Ari, he was headed to sprint up and down the steps of the Harvard Stadium with 300 or so other people. It's quite the scene. This convergence of masochists is a thing called the November Project. They swear a lot, which, sorry. These are Ari's people. They actually call themselves a tribe. And if you want to get to know somebody, who better to ask than his tribe? Good morning! Good morning! Who is Ari off seven? <laughs> who is Ari? Ari is one of our badass tribe members who seems to crush the stairs every time he comes. <laughs> He's passionate about the things that he cares about. Um, and I, I really think that is, I'm going to use the word lovely. I think that is a lovely thing. Sorry. He's fast as fuck. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't fucking quit. If I were to sum up Ari for people who've never met him, I'd say he's kind of an odd duck, but in sort of the most charming and earnest way imaginable. So, that's Ari. But isn't this what they always say about criminals? He seemed like such a nice young man. So how does a sort of front-of-the-middle-of-the-pack runner, fueled by a joyful, passionate, decidedly nerdy love for his sports, wind up all over the cover of the front page of a big newspaper and on every major network news channel, accused of cheating in the most famous marathon in North America? Well, it'll help to know what happened. Just to lay out the stakes here, this was Ari's second Boston Marathon. The year before, he had run the race in three hours and seven seconds, just eight seconds away from a sub-three-hour marathon. So he's highly motivated to go faster this year. His preparation for the race the day before was pretty reasonable. Ari hydrated, he slept in his own bed, and he woke up before his alarm. And that day, Marathon Monday, was just beautiful. The spectators all thought it was a great day because it was 65 and sunny. I like to say it was sneaky warm. 
So anyway, beautiful day. He's at the start. He's well hydrated, just like a lot of other marathon runners. Every guy in the race walks over to this fence and it's just like shoulder to shoulder. Like if you were in a large restroom at a sports arena and everybody's in their urinals, except it's just a fence and it's in someone's yard. Ari gets into position, a sub three hour finish on his mind. That's six minutes and 40 seconds a mile. And then the race starts. So the first 17 miles, I felt great. And uh, I was, you know, every so often you'd run through a run through a town and you raise your arms up in the air, which I'm doing right now. He's cranking along. 632, 635. His pace is on track to beat three hours. 626, 637. I was drinking every water stop. He sees his tribe out at one of the water stops. He sees his sister at another. I gave her a big high five and I grabbed some Gatorade. As the race wears on, he hits the hills. 7.01. Starts to slow down. 7.17. Starts to hurt. 6.53. But nothing unusual. Most people are going to feel pretty lousy on those hills. 7.05. But he's slowing down. 7.15. But the end is in sight. He turns the corner onto Boylston Street. The final stretch. Remember thinking, all right, legs, go. And that thought was the last thing he remembers before waking up in the intensive care unit four hours later. Hey, Nate here. Have you ever dreamed of going on the voyages of some of the most famous and not-so-famous explorers in history? If so, then you should check out the Explorers podcast. Host Matt Breen takes you into jungles and frigid wastelands, across deserts and oceans, and to the top of great mountains as you explore the triumph, glory, and tragedy of each explorer. There are extraordinary stories of Shackleton, Magellan, Cook, Lewis and Clark, and so many other daring people from all across the world and from throughout history. Each explorer's story is told in rich, immersive detail, and each topic is given as much time as needed to tell the whole tale, ranging from 30 minutes to 10 hours. There's something for everyone. Find the Explorers Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or go to explorerspodcast.com to learn more. And apparently the first thing I said was, well, it's my time, because that's what matters. Because you're a runner. Because I'm a runner. It was this four-hour period, this time when Ari was lights out, that got him into trouble. This is when Ari's alleged cheating happened. But he had zero memory. He finally saw what happened on that last finishing stretch the same way that I did, by watching the news footage. His is a story that's not about a near collapse, just shy of the finish line, or of a body temperature that nearly caused organ... Ari had overheated hyperthermia. I made it to 200 feet from the finish line before I started to stumble. ...caused his limping body to zigzag down Boylston Street. You can see it on the news footage. Just before the finishing line, Ari started to collapse. 
But this is the Boston Marathon. In a race this big, you are always surrounded by other people. So as he's weaving back and forth, beginning to stumble, losing consciousness, other runners are there. Before he even hits the ground, he has a guy by each side and another behind him, all of them hoisting him back to his feet. Slowly, they get Ari to the finish. One under each arm, his legs moving almost like he's trying to help, but they're totally ineffective. It's almost like this parody of running. His head is rolling from side to side and front to back. So I was at 108.8 degrees. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. What the hell's happening in your body when you're at 108, almost 109 degrees? 109 degrees. Something has gone very wrong when you're at 109. Basically, under 104 is a fever. Above 104, you start running into neurological issues. You're significantly over 104, you basically have a 30-minute clock that starts ticking when you go over. What, I mean, what you can have happen is multiple times of organ failure, and certainly death is within the realm of possibility. The two runners get him across the finish line, and within seconds, he's in a wheelchair. The first aid staff rush him into a tent where they stick him into a tub full of ice. I actually had scratches in my chest from where they were rubbing ice into my chest. In their haste to cool him off, the first responders actually overcorrected. And when they sent him off to the hospital, he was actually hypothermic. His body temperature was down around 84 degrees by the time he got there. The doctor actually gave a press conference to talk about Ari's state when he got to the emergency room. Pale, completely white almost, with um, his lips were blue. He was unresponsive and shivering. But this is a big hospital in a major city. He's got basically the best care in the world. And so a few hours later, he wakes up. Ari didn't break the three-hour mark, but he did get a time, a very respectable three hours and three minutes. You can find his name on the results sheet. He finished in 1,848th place. And like all the finishers, he got a medal. But the next day... The front page of the Boston Globe was the men's winner, the women's winner, and me. While he was unconscious, Ari's finish had become a viral internet moment. And it's that image of him being carried across the finish line that in certain parts of the running community showed he was just another cheater. To me, it would have been considered he should have been a DNF. This is Jay Curry. He's an OR nurse, a cyclist, and a triathlete. He's never done the Boston Marathon, but he has done Ironman triathlons. That's where you run a marathon after swimming 2.4 miles and biking 112. I found him through a Facebook comment he left underneath one of the articles about Ari. It kind of takes away from the sport. If anybody can just pick people up and carry them across the line, or I could jump on a bus and say, geez, I'm kind of tired right now. I got two miles to go. I'll just call a taxi and take a taxi to the finish line and, and then get considered a finisher. Jay was really explicit when he talked to me. He has no ill will toward Ari, and he doesn't think he deliberately cheated. But he's steadfast. Ari did not finish. He gives an example. In triathlons, drafting, where one cyclist follows closely behind another to cut back on air resistance, is against the rules. You're not supposed to draft. I know that I'm not going to win, but I'm still not going to draft out there. If I get seen drafting, even though I'm not going to win, I'm still going to get penalized for that. And Jay's not alone. For every 10 people who celebrate his finish as a story about good sportsmanship and community, there are one or two that say, nice story, but he should be disqualified. Albert Shank is one of them. He's a Spanish teacher and a marathoner from Arizona. 
but you're towing the line and running the same exact course at the same time as these uh, elite runners from Kenya and Ethiopia and the United States and all over the world. And uh, so I think I think you should be subjected to the same uh, rules as they are. Two days after the race, a conversation about Ari pops up on the forum section of a website called letsrun.com. This website is totally anonymous. It's kind of like the subconscious or the id of the competitive run community. The title of the thread was Another Boston Cheat, which seems pretty harsh. Is it really cheating to get help in a medical emergency? Not really. There's no question of, oh, you run by the, by the guy lying on the ground or you help him out? Oh, let's run by him. He should be fine. I guess maybe... Maybe give him a little kick on the way. Hey! hey. No one, yeah, kick, kick the guy on the ground. Oh, he's going to... We don't want to help him cheat. Ooh, hey, do you want some help, buddy? No, no, if we help you, you're cheating. No one does that. But when it comes to this question of whether he deserves to be considered a finisher... I think this is a fair point. Think of it this way. If Ari had been in first place, he definitely would have been disqualified. This actually happened in the Olympic marathon in 1908. Durando Pietri, an Italian, had to be helped to his feet by the course umpires when he collapsed five times in the last 400 meters. The second place finisher, an American, protested, and Pietri lost his gold medal. But there's a big difference between an Olympic athlete and Ari Ofsavit. Hell, there's a big difference between the front of the Boston Marathon and Ari Ofsavit. Um, I understand that there are folks out there in the world that a rule is a rule is a rule. I get it. And um, God bless them for feeling that way. Um, <laughs> this is David McGilvery, the race director of the Boston Marathon, one of the people who very well could have disqualified Ari. I'm I'm a hardcore guy. I've been I've been I've been around a long time. Um, I've run 145 marathons. Um, I've finished every single one of them except the first one. So I get it. I, I understand per se where they're coming from, but I also feel that no foul, no harm here. It was a gallant effort, and I feel he earned the medal. And let's move on. Dave points out that in reality there are two races going on in Boston with two different sets of rules. And while it might seem like a stupid example, here's just one. I mean, elites cannot wear headphones. They wouldn't be eligible for prize money. So, you know, someone say, well, there shouldn't be different rules for different people. Well, there are. You know, it's a, it, it's a different competitive environment. That's the beauty about a road race or about the marathon, is that you get the best of the best on the front end, but you also have the human interest, inspirational stories in the middle on the back end. One of those races is really only about who is fastest. The other is mostly just a community-building event, one that would be totally ruined if you militantly disqualified thousands of people who did things like take water from someone other than an officially sanctioned water stop. But some of the complaints circle around the prestigiousness of the Boston Marathon. It's really tough to qualify for it. And so many people register that if you just barely make the time cut, you still might get turned away. Because he finished, Ari will likely qualify for next year's marathon. And he could be taking a spot from a runner who finished the race on their own two feet. But let's go back to Jay Curry. For Jay... This is clearly about some sort of personal code. 
I personally myself would not feel comfortable saying that I finished the race if I didn't do the distance on my own. When the first time I did Lake Placid, they were threatening to cancel part of the swim because of thunder and lightning storms coming at it, and we were all mad, like, what, I'm only going to be able to do, maybe maybe not even be able to do the swim. Well, that's not the Ironman. This, to me, is a case of people who hold themselves to really high standards, people who would be angry with themselves for collapsing before the finish. Here's Albert Shank again from Arizona. Um, When I did the Whiskey Row Marathon one year, I don't remember which year it was, but there was this guy uh, handing out bananas, uh, not at an aid station. He was just on a house, at a house along the route, handing out bananas and squirting everybody with a hose um, if you wanted it because it can get hot at that race. Right. And um, I uh, I uh, did not accept the bananas because I was afraid I'd get disqualified for <laughs> taking outside aid. I did ask for the hose to be squirted on me because it was a hot year. And I mean, and I mean, this sort of gets to it, right? Like, like you didn't take the banana, but you let the right. guy spray you with the hose. It, exactly. <laughs> that, I know that that seems a little bit of a contradiction. Well, sort of. I mean, it sort of depends, you know? right? Yeah, I, I think my, my main point wasn't so much as receiving the aid, but actually physically being carried. So who gets the final word? I'm going to give it to Meb. Meb Kaflesky, Olympic silver medalist, winner of the 2014 Boston Marathon, and general goodwill ambassador for the sport of long-distance running. He actually tweeted a photo of the guys carrying Ari across the finish line. It said, hashtag support, hashtag character. Hashtag whatever it takes. It did not say hashtag obvious DQ. Meb, 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 when he tweeted, did not did not said something about this being the spirit of the of, of Boston. Not this guy should be you know if, if Meb doesn't think I should be disqualified on the spot, I probably shouldn't be. There you have it. If you don't like the fact that Ari got a finishing time, take it up with Meb. Outside In was produced this week by me, Sam Evans-Brown, with help from Logan Shannon, Taylor Quimby, Molly Donahue, and Maureen McMurray. I'd also like to give a big welcome to the newest member of our team, Jimmy Gutierrez, coming to us from the Cream City, Milwaukee. I'm sure you'll be hearing from him soon. Special thanks this week to Weldon Johnson, co-founder of Let's Run.com, and of course to Ari Ofsabit, who made sure I didn't get run over by any cars while down visiting Boston. Sam almost just gets run over by a car. I have cars down here in Boston. <laughs> I'm not used to the having to stop while you run. I'll tell you, come from New Hampshire, cities are scary. You can see fun pictures and videos and tweets about Ari at OutsideInRadio.org. And of course, we tweet at OutsideInRadio and are on Facebook, too. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.